What would you spend your million dollars on if you sold your blog for over seven figures? Hi, I'm Jared Krause, host of the Buying Online Businesses podcast, and today I'm speaking with Shane Dutka, who is a former CPA accountant turned digital entrepreneur. Now, he got his start with e-com and bow ties and then pivoted to affiliates and pest control content websites and scale to starting a fleet of affiliate sites in various different niches like jewelry, painting, babies, parenting, coffee. Now he's the SEO director at one of the largest performing marketing companies in the world. Now in this podcast episode, Shane and I talk about how he's built multiple sites, how he's bought multiple content websites and how he's sold them as well. We dig into what he's learned about buying websites and all the intricate things that he looks for when he's doing due diligence on these content websites that you should be paying attention to. We also talk about auditing a backlink profile throughout doing due diligence and what that should look like and how much risk you should take on or maybe not take on. Then we move into talking about how much content you should be publishing to scale your blog, how much you should be publishing if you want fast scale, how much you want you should be publishing if you just want to cruise along, how much you could actually be spending from your current revenue from your content site on potentially growing your site with buying content. We also talk about backlink building and the strategy that can go into that that Shane has used for different pages that you should be building those backlinks for and what goes into that. And we talk about what you should consider when you're actually selling your blog and how you can prep it for sale. But we also talk about what you should look out for when buying websites from brokers, some things that you should really understand and know before spending your money on buying a website. Now, this is such a valuable episode. You guys are absolutely gonna love it. We did talk a lot about buying sites, so please don't go away and do this on your own. Make sure you get my due diligence framework, which I use, a lot of my clients use, and it's helped us save millions of dollars and make millions of dollars through buying websites. So to get that, go to buyingonlinebusinesses.com forward slash free resources. You can get our due diligence framework there and there's awesome resources there as well on that page you can get to. Check it out. Now let's dive in to the Bob podcast. Shane, welcome to the Buying Online Business podcast. Thanks for coming on. Appreciate you having me. I wanted to ask you straight up, we'll just dive straight on in. Why blogging? You went from CPA into into blogging. Was there some obviously some motivation in that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, <laughs> sort of a, a windy story, but yeah. I mean, an account the accountant life um, not exactly one of you know <laughs> glamour and riches. Uh, it certainly is a traditional low risk path, but you know I wasn't super interested in that. I've always had like sort of an entrepreneurial bug. My dad was an entrepreneur. You know, like a electrical contracting business and I wanted to do something. So I ended up starting a, um, a bow tie site, got sort of cut my teeth on content marketing with this while working my accounting job. And I noticed that, you know, the earnings were coming regardless of whether I was working or not, you know, you kind of just mm. sort of learned that blogs generate traffic, whether you know, you're working on it or not. And I was like, Oh man, like it seems like a, an interesting opportunity that <laughs> I should probably explore further. And then I, basically did I you know pivoted out of bow ties which was the original thing that I started just to like sort of dip my toe in the in the digital marketing world and I pivoted to um, a bunch of other niches that had more broad appeal like pest control coffee painting things like that and they had a lot more things to talk about started yeah. blogging around or creating blogging and content sites in those niches and again the earnings started to accumulate very um, you know sort of just compounding effects that, you know, working as an accountant just doesn't quite have. So 
Mm. That was sort of the, you know, the, the arc very quickly spoken about. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty attractive when you can have some sites be pretty passive, um, do some things after work or whatever, and it still be making money. I remember I had three, was it? No, I had two businesses before I left my plumbing job and people were like, well, mm. hang on, how are you, how come you're leaving plumbing? And you know, it's good money. I was like, is it? I mean, it, it it's for, for for where people are at. I guess it's good money for where most people are at. It's it's, it's good money, but yeah, I mean, it's de, it's a demanding job and demanding of your body for that aspect, but for CPA, but demanding of your time. So, sure. have you bought sites before, or have you just started them, like looked at niches and started them? No, I've done both. So I've started sites, bought sites, um, bought existing sites, bought new sites, sold existing sites, sold newish sites. Uh, I've kind of done everything there is to do. I would yeah. say. With content sites and blogs and affiliate sites, um, yeah, I've I've done essentially everything. What um, what do you like about buying the buying of a site compared to the starting of a site? Uh, obviously, you're jumping ahead. You know, maybe six months. You know, you're kind of pulling that timeline forward a bit um, than if you were to start from zero. Um, also, generally, if you buy a site, you'll be buying some kind of earnings attached to it, unless you're buying a site that's making anything, which probably wouldn't do that. But yeah, I mean, you, you kind of speed the timeline a little bit, which has benefits, of course. I, I'm all about proof of concept, buying something that's been proven already. Somebody else right. has done the, done the hard yards, hard work. Have you been through the process of starting things that haven't worked out as well as you thought they would, like, you know, starter sites? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I've started, yeah, I would say my hit rates maybe like 25 to 30 five percent somewhere in that range of like it's exceptional by the way right like <laughs> yeah i mean i yeah it's it, yeah obviously like it could be like trash you can do like yeah, yeah. It, it, i would say that my average is probably above you know like baseball like it's a decent average for for what it is yeah um but yeah i mean to your point buying something that's sort of established google has looked at the site it likes how it's built it likes the content it's you know you're obviously making money from the site so you know the, the content that's on the site is generating revenue, there's interest there. So you, you've sort of checked a lot of boxes when you buy an existing property versus like start from scratch, which has all the same risks, but then all, you know, all of the, the time. I, one, one thing that I say a lot to people who are thinking about um, getting into like SEO type, you know, centric prop, web properties and blogs and things like that, is the, the feedback loop is so slow. So if you start to say it from scratch and you're not really experiencing it, um, maybe you like bought a course or something. You're like, oh yeah, I can do it. I'll save a bunch of money. Um, you like make up a bunch of wrong decisions. Like the feedback loop is so slow that you won't really know you've made wrong decisions until like six months from now. And then by then you're like, okay, <laughs> super demotivated and like probably ready to go back to be a plumber. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Yeah. And the feedback is the most important thing. Um, feedback we get from our business, feedback we get from our life in like what we should be doing, like what are the next step, next steps that we should be doing? And that's what you can get. You're already tapping into data already from an established business. I'm sure you've got some stories of due diligence and, and things that you've learned when you've been looking at sites. I want to come back to asking you about some of the things you look for when buying a blog throughout sure. due diligence. But what are, um, you know, for first time investors looking at blogs, what are some of the things that you would suggest being wary of like some of the things that you may have seen in blogs like oh wow they're doing this some black hat stuff and mm -hmm. what are some of the things that you've noticed in your journey of buying sites oh yeah 110 percent link profile is essentially honestly at the end of the day if you cut away like 
95% of the frill that you're buying, like the brand, blog, like the website structure, like how things are put together. And they might look really pretty. And, you know, there was a great graphic designer on it. And you might be buying all that, which you're like, oh, yeah, you're super jazzed about. But really, at the end of the day, when you're buying a property like like a web, like a blog, affiliate um, site, SEO centric site, you're really you, the main thing you need to be focused on is the link profile, and by that I mean you know the backlinks pointing to the site, right? Like yeah. that is essentially ninety five percent of the failure of buying a site will become a overlooking that. There's plenty of other you know things you need to make sure of, obviously, but yeah, I've seen too many sites that just were like built on very shaky foundations and. They, the you know, the new owners didn't really understand. They thought the site looked, links looked great, whatever. Maybe somebody told them that. In reality, like the links were all bought links. They were, you know, mm. all from sites just selling links as a business model. And then, you know, six to eight months later, the site goes to zero because Google devalues all your links. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, that's for sure the biggest risk. I was just, I was just with a client literally uh, in Ahrefs looking at a, a link profile um, and for a site that has been listed for sale. They've bought so many links, a bunch of nofollow links, and we went and checked them out. Not the sexiest looking domains, for example, it was domain.list forward slash something completely irrelevant to the site. Right. Go check out the link and there would just be 150 links on a boring pat one you know one off one a page and right um, right there was a lot of them and it, you know they basically had bought a lot of traffic but in essence once that is found out after somebody who's purchased the site traffic is coming from those links but google's like hang on like this is not the most relevant traffic and it's basically coming from a link farm <laughs> right the dangers of that like some things that are a bad backlink profile looks like but i'd like to get your take on like what does a what does a good backlink profile look <laughs> compared to like a, a, a right. not so good backlink profile? Yeah, it, that's man, that takes a very trained eye um, yes. because and I think does. the uh, you know the whole due diligence process is sort of invaluable because like you really do need to pay somebody who knows what bad looks like and what good looks like, or else you are just sort of buying a bunch of risk. You know <laughs> that may right. it might turn out to be fine and like everything's fine, but like. You're definitely not going to sleep uh, soundly when that's the only reason. <laughs> that's the only reason we have a business teaching people to do DD and have us review them. <laughs> like right. exactly, um, I mean that the risk is so high. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the risk is very high. Uh, I mean, as with most purchases of businesses, right? There's so much. There's always risk, but I think Correct. in this particular yeah. business model, you know, that is where a lot of it is concentrated. Um, mm. When it comes to like, hey, what's a good one look like? Assuming that, you know, like, I think obviously not having link farms in your backlink profile, having links from legitimate websites that have really great editorial standards themselves, have really great traffic profiles themselves, um, obviously are very uh, scrupulous with who they link to and don't link to, right? You want to be, you want to be placed, you want your links on websites to be very, like to be meticulously placed, right? That's a great signal that, I, and obviously on niche relevant sites, right? Like, so I had a pest control site. My, if you were to look at my backlink profiles full of links from pest control websites, right? Which is a great signal. You're like, oh yeah, it makes sense. Like yeah. if you like look at the backlink profile and it like looks like a pest control site and then you look at the actual site and it looks like a, it is a pest control site and you're like, okay, those jive, but yeah. you might find in back bad backlink profiles, you know, link profiles full of mommy bloggers sites that are these generalist sites. Um, there's a site that comes to mind called soup.io that I know was used to be, had some other purpose 
five years ago. It was bought by somebody else. It now exists solely for the purpose of selling links, but it's like a DR80. It's got some traffic. It looks good on the outside, but like it's total trash if you were to like look under the hood. Mm. And like these really generalist sites that don't really aren't really about anything. If I like see link profiles full of those, it's obviously bad. But on the flip side, niche links, editorially placed, um, you know, the sites themselves don't link out to casinos, CBD sites, or whatever they whatever they're being sold to. It's that's you. That's those are all good like signals that okay, positive, 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 and like in like when it all accumulates, you're like okay, great, great backlink profile, great site that you got a link on and um that's usually how i kind of look at it would you ever buy a site that has not the, the like the you know a, a decent percentage of the backlinks aren't very quality or valuable uh and then remove them disavow them and and go from there or would you just move on and find something else i mean as the old saying goes the price is right and like the the, the price is adjusted for the risk you're buying i think it's it can be done i would say that if you're buying a site with a backlink profile that has a lot of bad in it and you get a price that's like, you know, reflects that. Um, and then you do all those things you just mentioned just about build better links that sort of like buries the shit. Like <laughs> that's probably in the backlink profile. I think then it's probably possible, but again, like it all comes down, like it's a, re a really great example. I mean, like really good analogy or metaphor is like, you know, back in like the housing bubble, you know, there's mortgages that are like really trash, <laughs> like, mm -hmm from people that are not really like well-qualified buyers. And then there's mortgages that are like really great. And like from, you know, credits for 800, if you have, if you're a portfolio site owner, which I'm assuming people listening to this podcast might be, they might own multiple sites. You might have sites in your portfolio that are higher risk. You know, you got it for a better deal. There's some work to be done on the backlink profile. So you're going to, you know, take that on that risk, but you also have some sites in your profile that are like, you know, squeaky clean to some degree. And, um, you know, if you want to like buy some of those higher risk sites then you know, I would say just go in eyes wide open, you know? Yeah. And usually if there's a lot more risk and there's multiple risks, you're carrying that risk for a, a longer period of time because yeah, you know, all problems are opportunities in disguise, which means a lot of the <laughs> risks are opportunities, but how many of those do you want to take on exactly. that you may not be able to spend the time on rectifying? and carry that risk for too long for google to be able to go hang on a second yeah this is not this is not viable this is not good and then when you go to sell the site you're gonna you know you're basically you're gonna have your own, you're gonna have yourself and if you ever do sell it right you're gonna have a problem because like assuming you sell it to somebody who's like a well you know educated buyer you're gonna have to deal with that and you might end up you know unless you did some a lot of work on that link profile you're gonna have to you know adjust the price uh, or not even be able to sell it at all depending on mm. how the market is at the time Assuming again, like, like I think you, you, you've made a good point. Like you have to have the operating system to like fix it. Right. And if you don't, <laughs> then like, you're probably not, you should not even get into that even, at, even at a good price. Cause you're just buying something that's going to fall apart eventually. Yeah, correct. And that's where most people that are beginners, they see some of our content and they go, ah, oh, cool. I want to go buy, buy a business, buy a site. And they see the risks that are involved and they don't actually know how to turn that into an opportunity until they move to the next phase. Like we teach people how to do that. Um, but there's a lot of people that try to do this th themselves and go, yeah, cool. I can just listen to one podcast or one YouTube video and, and, and do it. But it's, it's, right, exactly. it's complexity in, in growing a site. That's for sure.
and de-risking it. And so I wanted to ask you about that. Like, what are some of the top things that you've done with your blogs that have netted the biggest returns, do you feel? Is it still the 80-20 of, of, you know, content and links or are there some other intricate things that you've done? I mean, again, I, I like to simplify it. It really is just content and links. Um, mm. You know, you could have, a, I've seen really rinky-dink looking blogs with great backlink profiles that are just crushing it. You know, like yeah. you could have the greatest paint job in the world and like great, like I was saying earlier, great graphic design, great widgets and like all the frills and stuff, but have a shitty backlink profile and make no money. You know, So like, yeah, yeah. I think having that backlink profile is like key. And in terms of like things that I've done to help facilitate that, um, it really does come down to having good content, but then promoting it, right? Like I'm not, like there's some people on your internet that are like, yeah, just create good, great content. People will find it linked to it. I am not in that camp. I, I mean, maybe yes, like you'll get some links that way but you will not build like a million dollar property that way. I am very much in the camp of build assets. Like, you know, an example um, from one of my old pest control sites was I built, I basically was covering a pest control product called Diatomaceous Earth. You probably never heard of it. It's totally fine. But in the health supplement space, this product was like blowing up super popular, but it was actually crap, you know, for this, for the purpose that people were touting it for. And people, it was really very much an echo chamber thing. Like everybody was saying it was great. And then like, I took this very edgy approach. I was like, it's actually trash. Here's why, like all the backing, the research. And then I promoted that and I got dozens of very high quality niche links from sites that don't give out links very often, right? Because yeah. they saw this piece of content. It was actually valuable, had real value <laughs> and uh, it was helping the reader. So they, you know, they linked to it. And then you, you build sort of a playbook around that. You're like, okay, what else can we talk about that? is maybe somebody, something nobody's talking about, right? And then you, you know, that's basically your digital PR strategy, but doing something like that, that's a, again, doing what I just described is like what most people don't want to do because yeah. it requires time and energy and, but that's how you build sites that most people can't build, you know? Yeah, that's right. Most people want the lifestyle. They want to buy their way into the lifestyle, buy a site and then just pay for content and pay for links. And you just don't get that level of growth without the input in making a quality, like quality content, quality links. Yeah. So I guess we should talk about that. Are you big on a lot of content or are you big on just of, you know, enough content, but make it awesome and keep updating it. And then we'll move, right. then we'll move to links after that chat about links after that. But yeah. <clears throat> big on. I'm definitely, it depends. Uh, I think that I would say like I'm 60% quantity, 40% quality. Like I, I, you do need content. Like you can build like a site that is like 50 blog posts or whatever, 50 pieces of content. And like, it can do, you Just know, keep it exceptional videos. content, yeah. update it every year make it out of this world. Good. Yeah, exactly. You can do that. Especially if like the link backlink profiles, there to support it. I think that once you've established trust with Google, like, hey, your site is legitimate, like it's a niche, you know, it's got authority in a given niche, pest control, whatever, jewelry, doesn't matter. You can publish 50, 100, like once you have a system of with a you know, decent writer, they understand your system, they have an outline, they have outlines, they have whatever they need to like produce, you know, have them sort of keep busy and then like take, I don't know, five, 10% of your, of your revenues to reinvest in the business, you will get that back, right? If like, if you're saying, hey, like 50 pieces of amazing content and then just refresh it every year, I would say you're probably leaving money on the table, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> yeah, because there's gonna be more to cover on the niche, right? Right, exactly. 60% 
quantity, 40% quality. So say somebody's bought a site and they've got maybe, you know, 100, 100 pieces of content on it. For them to get exceptional results, how regularly should they be posting quality content? And we're talking like, listen, guys, when you listen to this podcast, we're talking about like content that reads well, it's written well, uh, and it's got different formats of content, not just text. It's got image, video, and all those sorts of sure. things. How, how many of those should they be putting out per month, per year to get exceptional results, do you believe? Uh, I would say, again, it depends on the niche, depends on the category they're in. Like if you show me a pet blog that has 100 articles on it and like a great domain, like, you know, DR50, whatever, strong backlink profile. Yeah. I could probably put the content strategy together that's 50 pieces long, 100 pieces long, and it's totally justified in its approach. And I think it depends on like what your the business that's buying it wants to do right if you're trying to like they want to grow yeah exactly like if you're trying to grow slow and you could definitely get away with like 10 pieces a month or something right if you want to grow fast you know like i'm I'm like i guarantee you every unless yeah i mean i guarantee you regardless of category you're in there's probably a, a content strategy a content roadmap that you can put together that would be like 500 pieces long, right? Which would reflect a totally different business strategy. You know? So like, yeah. um, I think depending on the business goals, like, hey, we wanna, we wanna cash flow this, we wanna have some distributions for the owners of whoever buys it. Yeah. Uh, then yeah, you go more conservative and that's totally fine. And I think you're, you know, you'll be totally fine in doing that. Um, but if you wanna go super aggressive, you can, you can take that path too. It really does depend on what the business objectives are for sure. The way I look at it as well is that if somebody has some resources to put 10 pieces of the content out there per month and they want to double the business, it's kind of like double the inputs. It's not going to be the exact same return. You may get more because of compounding of growth. You may get a little little bit less depending on what ranks, what lands well on Google, what people love to read. And there's so many variables there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wanted to speak to you about backlinks. Are you typically, when you go to build some backlinks, are you looking at your top few pages and, and going, all right, how do we make sure these are solid? And then you're building backlinks to those. Or are you just, what's your, you know, do you have a different approach? Yeah, when it comes to building backlinks, you generally produce content made for that purpose, mm-hmm. right? So you're, building backlinks to like, for example, like my diatomaceous earth example earlier, I didn't write that to rank on the word diatomaceous earth, like enjoy traffic. If I get it great, but that was not the goal, right? The goal of the piece was to promote it and get links to it through cold email outreach basically. But the goal of generally speaking, the goal of building, you'd create content for the sole purpose of building links. Cause like what Google likes, and what will drive traffic through organic search can get links, but it's usually not super sexy, right? It's like, you know, what's the best dog food? Or like, you know, how do I change the tire or something? You know, like those are articles that will do really well on Google and lots of people are searching for them, but they've sort of been beaten to death on the internet. And like, yeah. you do it for SEO reasons, but not really, it's not really gonna drive tons of links for PR reasons, right? So you gotta kind of, sort of had two different approaches. If you want to create, if you want to do like a, you know, build some extra backlinks to your site, I would look at your niche and be like, you know, what can we talk about that will get attention and get links and get people talking about our site and sometimes producing content that's sort of controversial or taking a topic that yeah. is, you know, different, like, 
different, right? Like if you're if you're in the pet niche again, it's super popular niche, but like maybe you're saying like why nobody should buy Purina and like you do an article about how you like sort of a hit piece on Purina. <laughs> I'm yeah. just making this up, but it's something that could get attention, right? And you'd like yeah. pitch it to other pet blogs and like, hey, I just did this research about Purina. You should link to me because it's like, you know, it's different and nobody's talking about it. And then that's like your angle, right? Yeah. So definitely different sort of different approaches there. And so when you're building out backlinks, would you try and find multiple pieces of content or would you at, at once, I guess this is, a, this is a question of like how fast you want to grow, right? Like right. typically for yourself, for some of your own sites, would you look at, all right, let's create, let's find 10 unique pieces of content that's controversial, different, that's out of the box, um, it's not the status quo and build out 10, 10 pieces and then link to those or 20 pieces and you know, how, yeah. how much is, how much are you looking at? Uh, yeah, definitely how fast you want to grow. I would say for me, I want to be, I want to have like, you know, for every 10 pieces of content that are for SEO purposes, I probably want one for PR purposes, like for my approach. And then that piece will have some kind of angle or edge to it. That is to get links, right? Like, mm -hmm. Hey, like, you know, why nobody should be eating pure on a dog food. And then I will promote that. And then I will like sort of let it sit on the site. And then every maybe three to six months, I'll come back to it and promote it again or refresh it. Yeah. Because the topic is sort of evergreen and right. I would just reflect so that reflect it so that it's just reflective of whatever the current events are and make sure that's up to date. But that, um, that approach has done me really well. Cause then what happens is anybody who talks about that topic, pure in a dog food, I could just reach out to them like whenever they produce a piece of like you can set up like this is getting super tactical but like you can set up alerts that like hey this person just published this article on pure and dog food i'm going to pitch them immediately they're like hey you just published an article yeah <laughs> you should link to me because you're talking about something that i have produced content on and then like that's how you create a really like you know a moat around your site that then can put you in the ranks of like mega you know get into really strong authority ranges that make your site bulletproof you know and would you just have a number of those, number of those articles, quality content, update them every six months, have those alerts? And is there a certain amount of links that you go, all right, cool, I'm, I'm, I'm done promoting that piece. Let's try focus on some other pieces. Like, is there a number there or? A mm, not really, because sometimes things will just really hit and you're like, oh man, this one generated 20 links, great. Sometimes they'll generate one and you're like, oh crap, that flopped, you know? Like, yeah. You know, and then it really comes down to, I would say prospects, right? Cause like when you produce a piece, you'll, there's only so many people that you can pitch, right? <laughs> That's kind of the bottleneck. So yeah. you'll, uh, you'll get your, you know, your prospect, get people to pitch, get as many as you, honestly, you'll get as many as you possibly can. Right. And then you'll usually segment based on, based on audience. You'd be like, well, these guys are moms talking about dogs with Purina. These guys are, you know, this is a, a dog blog talking about dog food and that's all they talk about. And that's their angle. You know, then you like create these pitches based on segment and then you kind of just like exhaust that. And then like six months later, the alerts sort of accumulate more prospects. Yeah. And then, then you pitch those folks and then that's kind of how it goes. But sometimes things will super, like just flop and be like, all right, that one, we're not all great. Like, constantly great ideas on, on PR stuff, but sometimes it'll work out and sometimes it won't. 
so many, so many variables. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's easy for us to start, talk about it here and just be like, yeah, this is how it's done. And then, you know, when you get some feedback, it's like, okay, change the strategy a bit. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's marketing though, you know, like you're yeah. basically like a business that a, a person that's trying to buy these, you know, sites, um, at the end of the day, they're buying like a marketing, like basically established marketing channel, right? Because like there are sites, I'm, I'm going to stay on the pet niche because like it's super easy and like relatable. Like Chewy, for example, is a big, big like dog food or dog. I think they just do dogs, but they're a big pet uh, e-commerce shop and they have a massive pet blog, right? And they talk yeah. about all these things, right? Yeah. They're an e-commerce shop. They sell dog and I guess cat stuff. So their business model is to sell that and they use their blog as a channel to get into the world, right? Yeah. As a um, blog owner, you're buying a blog and making money through it, usually through affiliate or ads. That's your channel. You're like, you're a marketing channel for that monetization. Yeah. So at the end of the day, you're just like only as good as your ideas to continue marketing your blog through these like digital PR means. So like, you got to remember you're buying that. Sometimes people forget that. You're like, oh, I'm just buying like this like traffic generation machine. <laughs> <laughs> and it's amazing. And it can be, and it really can be one of the greatest business models. And I think, you know, one of the greatest business models, yeah, it still exists. It's super lucrative. Um, oh, it's, right, sure. it's incredible. It's incredible how passive it can be to to scale it and grow it. It's it's very cheap to, you know, put your resources into team compared to, say, hiring somebody for an e-commerce business to manage your ads, the price that you would pay for that oh, yeah. compared to getting content written and backlink um, building. It's, it's, you know, very high value um, work for quite, quite cheap, I would say, and sure. very hands off. And this is the business model that I refer most people to if they're a beginner, because the risk, like you can go very slow with it and spend less time on it compared to other businesses and have less skills when you first start, I guess. I want to ask you about your, a, a proud moment that you've had a project as well. What would you say is your most proudest site that you've built and sold and, uh, what, <laughs> Yeah, and why? I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, the one that comes to mind, obviously, is Pest Strategies, which um, was my first big one, big, big one. I mean, proud of them all. They're all my babies, your first, right? Your first big exit. <laughs> you mean? What's that? Your first big exit? Yeah, yeah. So I sold that site for, the deal was for over a million, um, and I sold that back in 20, I think it was 2019 now. Uh, which Congrats. Seems like forever ago. But yeah, it was a great sale, and... Um, I'm glad I did it because, like, you know, a lot of people ask me, why just sell? Why don't you just stay on it? And, like, mm. I thought about that, but at the end of the day, like, you know, it all come out, comes down to, like, just reallocation of, of risk. Like, when you have one stock in your portfolio that's, like, 95% yeah. of the value of your portfolio, you're like, all right, I should reallocate well. that. Yeah. <laughs> What's that? 95% of your cash flow as well. Exactly, right? You're yeah. like, all right, there's a lot of risk tied into that. Like, I should redistribute that from one site to like five. And then yeah. like, that way you have, you know, five different properties making money versus one. But yeah, I mean, that was definitely my my proudest moment because like, I did it all perfectly right. You know, like mm. I buy the book link building, buy the book content, the site was decently branded, like I'm, I branded it myself. I did all the design web design myself. Um, and it's like, it was good enough. It wasn't like anything I had put it in a museum or anything, but it was uh, perfectly fine for its purpose. And yeah, I mean, it just, it just did really well. The opportunity was there. The The competition was relatively weak at the time. I mean, um, so that really worked out and, uh, and yeah, I was able to find a buyer, sell it and then 
you know, buy some real estate with it and then also redistribute it into some new sites. Yeah. Awesome. What was the niche? Pest control. Oh, pest, pest. It was a pest control one. Yeah. I got you. And yep. so did you do just that? Did you exit and then redistribute some of that into other assets and were they online assets? Were they offline assets? Like what is, what did that kind of look like? If you're open to share. Yeah. 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 I, I sold it and basically put a good chunk of it into the stock market index funds, chunk of it into real estate. And then a chunk of it went to new sites. <laughs> so, yeah, cool. Buying you know, new sites or starting? Uh, I, some from scratch, some I bought. Yeah. There was yeah. one site I bought from, it was a fitness site. And then I also bought a small parenting blog and I merged it into another blog as a test. So I was doing a lot of crazy stuff, just testing things and different ideas that I had that I wanted to get some reps on. But yeah, that was, that was quite a way to do it. Yeah. Cool. Congrats. And what did you learn through the exit, um, through the selling of that, you know, the, the process of selling that business, um, that could be valuable for people listening that are wanting to sell a blog or even buy one, I guess. Yeah. The biggest thing I would say I, I learned is you definitely want to show a track record of continuous earnings up into the right, ideally growth and like continuous growth, not like giants, you know, downward spikes that never, <laughs> never makes anybody excited, uh, generally. And, um, having a decent team that you could transfer if you're buying a site, you definitely want to buy from someone who has a writer that's like been there, knows the, the process, knows like, and you can just feed them new topics and they understand what to do with that. If you're selling, you want to sort of get that ready so that when you're going to a buyer, they can just buy the system, right? They're not going to put it together. They don't need to like think about all that. Cause like nine times out of 10, not always, but like you might be selling to an unsophisticated buyer, right? that doesn't know how to pull that all together. Or maybe they don't even want to, maybe they are sophisticated and they don't want to deal with any of that. Yeah, um, for sure. Which could be a situation. So you definitely want to prep all that sort of operating system. And then as a buyer, definitely make sure it's there. Links are obviously, how'd you build links? Like that's number one question you should be asking if you're looking to buy a site. And if you're looking to sell, you need to make sure that you have a great answer to that question, right? Mm. And uh, go through exactly how you built them. Maybe even like go through your link profile and be like, this is how I build this one. This is how I build this one. You know, like, cause what's, yes. what's going to happen is you're going to get a better multiple as a seller. You get a better multiple for that. As a buyer, you'll feel a lot better, obviously with your purchase. Um, yeah. That's so just, attractive. So attractive for a buyer to be taught by the seller what has worked so they can replicate it again. And you're right. You can get a higher multiple. Like it, I don't know if you've noticed this, but a, a lot of brokers are doing their best to increase prices so they can increase their income and they can do that by increasing multiple um, and yep. adding ad backs in and different types of strategies that sophisticated buyers are like, hang on, this ad back is really an expense and I'm not going to value <laughs> right. that into my, you know, my offer. Whereas yep. a broker could make it really a win-win situation for everyone rather than just try and do some tactic to, to sell, a, sell a product higher when a sophisticated buyer is just going to argue back on it. <laughs> for sure. I, I've dealt with a bunch of that. Like it's kind of, it's almost like a stupid game. Like they play like it is immediately. Yeah. Immediately the buyer is like, okay, I'm going to discount all of that. I'm going to, they're going to usually what the buyer will do is create, produce their own PL, their own pro forma. Like if they're a sophisticated buyer, they'll do all that. Mm. They'll come up with their own price and be like, this is my price. <laughs> Take it really bad. Like, um, and then usually there's some negotiation, obviously, depending on the circumstances, but nine times out of 10, like they're going to be within like five to 10% of that price yeah. um, that they, they sort of pencil together. And 
Yeah, like ad back, like like for example, like you know, you're talking about ad backs. A common one is content, obviously. Mm. The argument is like, um, well, the content is sort of a it's a capital asset, right? You buy it, you you capital expense, you you put the money in the cat like the the content, and then you don't have to technically you don't have to produce any more content if you don't want to. Or that's yeah, or never have to update it again. Well, come on, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean that's the argument that the, the expenses had, and it's like never coming back. Obviously, as a buyer, like of course I'm going to produce more writing and con- you know mm-hmm. more, more more content. So that's silly. But um, same thing with link building. Like you know, depending on the niche you're in, like you know, I know people who bought sites in the VPN niche, which is like super competitive. And like you basically can't operate, you can't play in that niche without like a strong backlink profile and continuously building it. Mm. That needs to be part of the equation when you're, you know, when the uh, when the um, valuation comes together. And then yeah, some brokers are just like very uh, fast and loose with the multiples. Like I mean, I know Empire Flippers likes to inflate the numbers a bit, (laughs) Um, (laughs) but ultimately, ultimately, you know, a buyer and seller will meet, you know, come to terms and it'll get done. yeah, and that's yeah. that's why you really need somebody who knows the true valuation of those types of sites on your side to go, hang on a second, this is what it's actually worth um, sure. based on your research and your due diligence. Because that's, you know, like what you said just now is like it's a it's a real thing between multiple brokers. So, yeah, be careful, guys. <laughs> I mean, honestly, to that point, you know, they're, they're I think, I mean, they're a smart on them for like taking advantage of unsophisticated buyers. Obviously, everybody listening to this, not because you're, you know, you'll probably be dealing with Jared here. But they will, some buyers might just be like, oh, yeah, that's the price, the tag, you know, the tag on the, on the sticker price. Yeah, they'll, they'll pay it because like. They just want to get in the game. They'll rush through the process. Yeah. And then, um, you know, they'll be, you know, they could have gotten a deal for like 100K less or whatever the number is, you know, 10% mm. less or something. And um, they just didn't know, you know, definitely can see that happening. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's it's not just about it, when you're buying a site, it's not just about what are the risks involved and what are you taking on, but, you know, can you save money as well? when you're doing for sure and that's a huge a huge component we've we've saved people a lot of money but yeah it's been an absolute pleasure to chat thank you so much for coming on it's it's been so fun to chat shane where can we send people to find out more about you and what you're doing uh shanedutkin.com so my name my first and last name.com um i have a youtube channel uh have a website so i will i generally try to post some youtube videos on seo blogging content all this stuff um probably why you reached out to me yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh yeah i mean i yeah i try to be active there and uh yeah that's where you can find me yeah thanks so much shane everybody else that's listening as well thank you for listening if you are going to buy a site i suggest listening to this in another week or two because there's probably going to be some things that you did miss because we went through a lot and we went through it quite fast so <laughs> i'm glad that we added a lot so a lot of value there also, if you know somebody else that's looking at buying a site, do them a massive favor or growing a site, do them a massive favor and share this podcast episode with them. Yes, it helps us, you know, Bob and also Shane reach more people and help more people, but it's also helping you help more people too. So thanks again, guys, and I'll speak to you soon.